millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This is MPB News. Hi, this is Karen Brown. Thanks for checking out the Mississippi Edition podcast. If you like what you hear, click subscribe, hit like, or leave us a comment if your app has that feature. Then find other MPB podcasts by searching MPB Think Radio on your favorite podcasting platform. Thanks. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Wednesday, April 15th. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, the governor extends school closures through the end of the semester. And what the state health officer has to say about the approaching peak period of the coronavirus pandemic in Mississippi. Then, after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, communities in South Mississippi continue to rally together following the Easter Sunday tornadoes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. School buildings across the state will remain closed for the remainder of the semester. Governor Tate Reeves made the much-anticipated announcement at his daily press briefing yesterday. He expressed his respect for the educational community and acknowledged the effects of distance learning will vary. It has been so encouraging to see the efforts of our education community to protect the people of Mississippi while ensuring that learning continues to take place. School buildings in Mississippi will remain closed for the rest of the semester. That does not mean school is canceled. Distance learning will continue, and I will be asking every school to submit plans to show that they are doing just that and to step up and share the best practices that we have learned over the past several weeks. I know that they are committed to this task. We're also going to ask educators to prepare plans for classes in the summer or early fall. Not as a mandate, and it won't be for everybody. But we know that this virus doesn't hit everybody equally. The economic damage doesn't hit everyone equally. And despite the best efforts of our education community, this hasn't hit all students equally either. There are many who are surging ahead during this time, getting hours of instruction every day. There are others in circumstances that make that much harder. Not everyone has fancy webcams and fast internet. Not everyone has parents who can also become full-time teachers. Those are blessings, but we cannot expect that every household will be equipped to handle this the same. We're trying to reach everybody, but we have more work to do. The governor also used Tuesday's briefing to address the economic impact of the coronavirus pandemic. Reeves says he's calling on business leaders in the private sector to guide and inform the direction of Mississippi's recovering economy. It has been horrifying to me to watch the work of decades fall apart. All of these Mississippi jobs gone in the blink of an eye. Tens of thousands of families who want to work now on assistance are waiting for assistance. 
We pray and hope their jobs will all come back as our economy reopens. We know that it will not be so simple. I have dedicated my time to fighting this pandemic and managing state government's response. We know that there is much more to do. We will stay in the fight. We also know that we need some of Mississippi's top minds studying the path forward. We need the private sector to lead the way in charting a path for economic recovery. We need Mississippians helping Mississippians. And we need answers about what our new economy will look like. I have asked a trusted group of our state's top business minds to do just that. Under the Restart Mississippi umbrella, they are going to develop a series of recommendations and goals for our recovery and our new economy. They will study the impact of COVID-19 on our workforce, and they will study the impact of COVID-19 on our small businesses, and they will help us to recover day by day. When asked about which metrics his administration is monitoring as it considers when and how to reopen the economy, Reeves pointed to the growing unemployment numbers. First and foremost, the benchmarks I'm looking at is um, four weeks ago, Mississippi had less than 1,000 unemployment insurance claims for the entire system. The week after that, we had 5,500 uninsurance, unemployment insurance claims. The week after that, we had 32,000 unemployment insurance claims. The week after that, which was last week, we had over 45,000 unemployment insurance claims. The fact of the matter is we not only have a public health crisis, we have a, an economic crisis. And so while we have had 90,000 um, new unemployment insurance claims in the last three weeks in Mississippi, I believe that number is going to keep going up. Um, unless we can reopen our economy. Mississippi surpassed 3,000 confirmed cases of COVID-19 yesterday as the health department reported 145 new cases with 13 new related deaths. That's the highest single-day death report to date. Coming up, what the state health officer has to say about the approaching peak period of the coronavirus pandemic in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On Southern Remedy, we are dedicated to keeping Mississippians healthy. Every week, I'll talk about the latest health news that's important and answer medical questions from our listeners. Call in or email the show to get information about your medical concerns. The original Southern Remedy, Wednesday mornings at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Models indicate the projected peak period of the coronavirus pandemic is approaching in Mississippi. With the governor's shelter-in-place order set to expire next week, attention is turning to how the state can begin to return and recover. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer. He tells us the case peak is not the end of the fight and that testing will remain a vital tool moving forward. The peak in cases will precede the peak in deaths and the peak in hospitalizations because it's going to take a while for folks to get ill enough to to require that sort of level, that intense level of care. Um, You mentioned models. What kind of data goes into those models? You know, the one that we've been looking at most closely has been the University of Washington one, and it looks at basically your case data, the, 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 ten, the trends in 
number of cases diagnosed, the uh, number of deaths, um, how rapidly they're increasing, and then also it includes other things that have happened, policy things like the shelter in place or the social distancing things that have been implemented, uh, school closures, that sort of thing. Um, these are models and um, they're very they're prone to some um, irregularities as far as like, you know, it's hard to predict one state's shelter in place is going to be very different than another shelter in place, so they're not a monolithic sort of situation. About a week and a half ago, our model from the University of Washington uh, got cut in about a, by three quarters in the number of deaths mm -hmm. and the number of ICU beds needed. So we, we're, we're really taking it with a grain of, of, of salt. How or what is the period of time that the number of deaths is being projected? For instance, at one point, Governor Reeves said there could be as many as a thousand deaths. By what period of time or over what period of time? You know, that's a great question, and, and, and really most of them look like well into the summer, honestly. Um, although you're going to uh, – you see the majority of them, like if you think about that sort of um, that sort of outbreak curve that people look at, the, the bulk of them are going to happen sort of like in that, you know, broad mid midsection of the, of the peak. Uh, but there's real concern that we'll have sort of, you know, even after we kind of get a better, better handle of this, we're going to have some lingering outbreaks, lingering cases – and so most of the models actually go into the into the summertime. You report daily, the Department of Health reports daily, the number of cases, the number of deaths for the previous day. Does the number of cases go up and down because the amount of testing goes up and down? Is one directly correlated with the other? You, you know, there is a lot of variability that has to do with um, uh, both when the testing occurs, right? So more is going to probably happen on weekdays and, and stuff like that when doctor's offices are more likely to be open. Uh, but the other thing is uh, two-thirds of the labs are done by private labs, and I can't assure that they're, they're all coming in um, in a steady stream. So we think we're probably getting sort of um, almost boluses of reports. And part of that also is going to be due to uh, um, su su supply constraints. You know, we've had some issues sometimes with bottlenecks and supplies, and then sometimes we've had um, the private labs have had those same sort of issues. And so there'll be backlogs that are, you know, then they're, they're updated. And so it's really important to look at sort of like the, the, the global trends and not the day-to-day -day variation. And probably the most important one is on our website we have a curve that looks at the number of cases by date of onset of illness. And that's probably going to be a pretty good indicator, although there's going to be a pretty good lag in that uh, because we're going to be waiting on labs to come in and, and people are going to have to be, you know, symptomatic long enough to go get tested. Uh, but that one's a good indicator. And if you look on our website, mm -hmm. you can kind of see that um, even now our peak day of new onset of illness was actually um, end of March. The Department of Health's website keeps adding information, and it's really a great site to sort of get a handle of, of what's happening in Mississippi. One of the new features is showing underlying conditions and which ones are more likely to cause serious conditions and possibly death. Can you tell us the leading underlying condition that's leading to death? Similar to what was witnessed early on in China, chronic medical conditions are really uh, heavy contributors to uh, deaths and severe illness, especially in older folks. And, and in Mississippi, we see a lot of cardiovascular disease, um, diabetes, hypertension uh, being associated with, with, with our deaths. This is especially true in the black community where we've seen this just really horrific disparity in illness and deaths. 
a lot of that is going to be attributable to the comorbidities and the existing health disparities that we're all very, 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 very aware of. Um, there also is probably some um, transmission dynamics in the black community that we need to work on more aggressively to make sure that everybody has uh, access to, you know, good messaging, understanding, and also to um, the capacity to stay safe as this rolls over us. As that curve starts to level out in Mississippi, are there a number of cases as they drop? Is there sort of this magic number that, okay, now we can start reopening some things? You know, that's a hot debate is, is kind of when, when do you start sort of backing off? Um, you know, there, there are some guidelines out there. American Enterprise Institute has some guidance, and I think um, Dr. Frieden, previous CDC director, is working to put together some sort of guidelines. But clearly you want to see uh, the number of new cases uh, declining for some consecutive period of time to make sure that we're on the backside. And I cannot imagine under any circumstances that um, – we would actually just, you know, pull pull away everything immediately. It probably would be a, a very steady and gradual kind of releasing of some of the restrictions um, to kind of fight the outbreak uh, more than anything, but also to um, make sure that we don't overcommit to reopening and then have to go back to a full-on shelter in place. Once that happens, once the state starts to reopen, will testing continue at the level it is now, and does the state have the capability to continue testing at that level? Absolutely, and we'd like to even test more. Their supply chain issues have been really the most difficult thing. We actually have had to make do ourselves in, in large measure in Mississippi. We haven't, you know, um, you know, we're not a, we're not a priority um, on the national scene, nor do we want to be. Um, but we actually are adding capacity every day. Additional private labs are coming up. We anticipate we will actually near about double the public health lab's capacity even this week. Uh, UMC's on board. We're excited to have them as a partner, and we know they've increased their abilities. So um, anticipate more and more testing, especially as some of the more innovative technologies become available and the normal uh, commercial labs start letting us have stuff. Um, our challenge has been is everything that's available commercially that we want is, uh, or a lot of it is, is getting sucked up by the feds, and they're distributing it where they want it to go, and we're kind of at a disadvantage. Let me ask you finally, how are Mississippians doing with the self-distancing, and is it working? Yeah, I think it is working somewhat. Uh, I would just so strongly encourage everybody to maintain discipline right now. We hear uh, folks who who are having COVID parties or they're getting together, and young folks really worry me because they think they're, they're, they, they can get over it. But what the, what's going to happen with the young folks is they're going to get it, and they're not going to be sick, and then they're going to kill a grandma. I mean, I know that sounds pretty harsh, but um, it's the reality of it is that um, we're all in this together, and we need to follow these guidances, because not because um, necessarily you or you know your friends might not be at high risk, but it's for the people you love. It's for your family. If you can't do it for yourself, please do it for your family. This is a time where we really need to have full vigilance in our shelter-in-place and social distancing practices. Dr. Thomas Dobbs is the state health officer. Thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you very much.
The Department of Health is continuing its aggressive testing strategy this week through additional one-day collection sites. A site will be available today between 9 and 4 in LaFleur County at the Mississippi Valley State University Football Stadium. Anyone experiencing symptoms related to COVID-19 and feels they should be tested must first go through a free screening from a UMMC clinician through the C Spire Health UMMC triage app. To stay current on the latest developments concerning the coronavirus in Mississippi, visit mpbonline.org slash coronavirus. Coming up after a Southern Remedy Health Minute, communities in South Mississippi continue to rally together following the Easter Sunday tornadoes. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hi, I'm Jason Klein from Fix It 101. If you ever thought about changing the doorknob or fixing a leaky faucet, some jobs just aren't that difficult, and yes, you can do it. If you want to find out how to do those things, listen to Fix It 101, podcast everywhere. I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, professor of pediatrics and internal medicine at the University of Mississippi Medical Center, and this is a Southern Remedy Health Minute. Can you use a diluted solution with Clorox and water to effectively clean a surface. There's many ways that you can clean those surfaces, and surfaces are important. That's one of the main transmissions of this. If you think about particularly harder surfaces, ones that uh, can retain liquids for a longer period of time, doorknobs in our kitchen, certainly on our tabletops, you know, all those surfaces can hold this sometimes Uh, several days, depending on the the type of surface. Good news, you can use a number of things. The CDC website has some alternative cleaning solutions that you can make up at home. You mentioned some of the things that they actually suggest. So a bleach solution, soap and water is really good. Uh, If you agitate the soap in a water solution in a bucket or a container, uh, put a rag on that clean rag in that, and then wipe down those surfaces, Uh, you'll get the same effect as you do with your hand. All that's really useful in destroying the virus. Uh, Any of the household cleaners like Clorox, 409, those should uh, kill all those viral particles as long as you uh, spray it down and wipe it down really, really well. Everybody focuses on one or two of the ways we can protect ourselves. Uh, I think everybody's focusing on masks a lot, but if we don't focus on these other things, a mask is not going to help you if you touch these surfaces and then you touch your face, particularly your nose or your mouth or your eyes. Uh, That's certainly uh, one of the ways you can transmit it. For more health tips and medical information, listen to Southern Remedy each weekday morning at 11 on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. The death toll from Sunday's devastating tornadoes continues to rise. Twelve people in Mississippi have died from the storms, including four in Jefferson Davis County. Governor Tate Reeves, along with Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman and members of Mississippi's congressional delegation, toured storm-damaged parts of the state in the town of Good Hope near Bassfield. Danny Norris's home was struck by a tornado. He tells our Kobe Vance within minutes after the storm, dozens of people showed up to help about five minutes before it hit our place we knew the way the weather was that we were fixing to be in for it oh when it got to getting bad oh we got in the hall and i put pillows over them and leaned over them and uh went to praying to the good lord above and uh, it came through and 
like I say, it pretty much destroyed my roof, and uh, took some sheds and stuff, just superficial stuff. We're all here, and and thankful for that, and uh, seen a lot of damage, but I seen a lot of miracles. Um, what I'm gonna take from this is the. It wasn't five minutes after this was over. There were dozens of people, men and women, out in the road with chainsaws and um, clearing the roads and checking on neighbors and getting the people and helping people. And um, You know, all of the destruction is bad to see, but how everybody came together and helped their neighbor... Um, that's what I'm going to remember about that day and you know, over the damage. And you know, I'm just, guys, just want to say I'm real proud of everybody in this community and the people that helped me. Uh, yesterday, I had a leaking roof. I had trees all over my yard. And uh, in a eight-hour day, there were so many people I couldn't even name them was in my yard and now I got a tarp roof and I have sawed up lumber. I have trees sawed up uh, and we can use lumber to fix my roof. And um, I'm just in a lot better shape in eight short hours than I was before that because of my loving neighbors. How has that support helped you these past few days? Uh, it's very much. I, we've had We've had this man right here they come by and brought us meals, and um, we've had people loan us generators. And, you know, as far as, uh, you know, comforts we're used to, we're, we're not without them right now. And we would be if it wasn't for people that were, you know, willing to step up and help. And uh, we really, really appreciate it. Danny Norris is a resident of Good Hope. Lieutenant Governor Hoseman says the damage caused by the to the Pine Belt is some of the worst he's ever seen. Well, uh, I go to all of these, unfortunately, and I've seen a lot of tornadoes from Columbia to Smithdale, from uh, DeSoto County to Hattiesburg, and all, all in between Yazoo City. All these places have been struck. But I really haven't ever seen these pine trees, bigger pine trees, broke uh, eye level. Usually they break much higher and there'd be other, but they actually ripped them out of the ground or broke them at eye level, which is just a huge, powerful storm at the worst possible moment for Mississippi. And so you, you just mentioned that's the worst possible moment. So what are some things that are having to be like rethought or uh, boosted right now to be able to meet the needs of this community? Well, they need first clothes and food. That's the normal staples of life. And uh, we're meeting with the supervisors to set up a, location to receive that. I think it's going to be the high school here in this county. And people have always been generous about sending things, uh, but they can use everything here. Uh, Houses are fully destroyed, so clothing, food would be really helpful, canned goods, that kind of thing. Then eventually you'll get back to having the electricity cut back on. That's going to take probably weeks here because everything's so destroyed. And so um, compared to other tornadoes you've seen in your time, how does this one compare? The power of this one is equal to or worse than just about any that I've seen. Um, All of them have significant damage, but this one was particularly powerful. It's only a grace of God that people survived here. And, um, you know, we're going to be challenged. Uh, This will be a challenge to our faith and to our future, and I I believe in both of them. 
And so what can Mississippians do to overcome that challenge? Well, first, you know, where we can, we want to send food and clothing down to these two counties, Covington and here, mainly, Jeff Davis. And uh, from there, we need to get back to work. I mean, these people don't have a job and they don't have a car or a truck anymore. So it's very, very difficult for them to rebuild when you have no economic base to rebuild from. So um, you all need to pray that the pandemic part ends as quickly as possible so we can get our people back to work. MEMA officials say 52 people are being sheltered in hotels through the Red Cross, and the tornadoes were larger than originally estimated. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Thanks for listening to the Mississippi Edition podcast from MPB News and MPB Think Radio. Don't forget to subscribe if you haven't already. And if your app lets you, leave a comment or review. We really do appreciate it. Remember, you can always get in touch with MPB News on Facebook and Twitter. And fresh episodes of the podcast are posted every weekday morning. I'm Karen Brown. Thanks for listening. This is Mississippi Edition from MPB Think Radio.